night and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back with the full episode next week. Right now it is late Thursday night, an incredible night of basketball of pretty much all playoff basketball. Every team playing tonight is above 500, except for the Nets. Once I record and load this podcast up, I will be able to watch this Nuggets-Timberwolves game coming up. Should be incredible. Such a pressure-packed game for both teams. Can't wait. If you want more John and Chuck, you should know you can get that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. That is where our biggest listeners are supporting our show for three dollars a month you can join the slack chat where we talk about basketball around the clock and everything else there's all kinds of channels just picked up a new listener uh finally got a hornets fan in there i believe our first hornets fan to join but we talk about movies television shows uh, all kinds of stuff we got we got the own the channel for dads just sharing dad stories in case all this dad talk has got to be too much for you guys on the show. So again, if you want to support the show, get bonus content and connect with us even more, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Also, download the draft app, draft.com slash fastbreak. Use the code fastbreak when you sign up. It is a daily fantasy site for all the sports. They even have golf. They're doing stuff for the Masters if you want to play that. You just get in a snake draft with three or five or ten people, whatever you prefer, and you pick your teams, and then you win money. It's easy. It's simple. You can pay with PayPal or credit card because it's legal. There's no weird getting your money back out. I mainly just play for $1 or $3 with my listeners. My username is Fast Break Breakfast, so you can follow me on there. I'll invite you to the NBA games I do. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's become a part of my daily basketball viewing habit. So if you want to support the show that way and have fun playing some daily fantasy basketball with us, you can do that at draft.com slash fastbreak. Use that code fastbreak. You get a free $3 entry into any game. So once again, draft.com slash fastbreak. Use the code fastbreak. My guest today is the host of Locked on Knicks and the brainchild behind the popular and funny NBA injury report Twitter account, James Marcita. James, how are you? I am doing wonderful. I'm pumped to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Ah, glad to have you. We start our shows talking about breakfast. Have you had a, a good breakfast recently, perhaps today, you can share with us? So, generally speaking, during the week, I do not eat breakfast. Just during the week. So, like, I go to Dunkin' Donuts before I get on the train. I get a medium hot coffee, black two sugar. Maybe when I get to the office, I have a couple of raw, unsalted almonds. I'm not really a health nut, but that's, like, my, like, healthy thing of the day. I want to give a shout-out, though, to La Nueva Union Bakery in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn, on Cortellu Road, they make tamales, but only on the weekend, and they're incredible. And I usually grab like two tamales on either Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, one chicken, one uh, veggie slash cheese. They also have pork. It's not my favorite, but they do a tremendous job over there at the weekend. So I want to big up 
that breakfast. That sounds great. If we have, uh, I think we have, a, we have at least a few Brooklyn listeners. Maybe, maybe they can check that out. I haven't been keeping track of all the different places people have told me to go. Like in mm-hmm. the moment in the interview, I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds great. I got to write that down. But like, I don't, I, I, like I might've written that down, but I've since thrown that paper away. Like I, I never compile the list of things, but I guess maybe one of these times I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to go back and figure out all the different places I, I should be going to get breakfast. As far as your just normal coffee breakfast, I mean, that's, Honestly, that's that's what I do. I don't have to get on a train because I don't live in a big city, uh, and I just mainly take care of my kids uh, most mornings. So I just get the coffee and then walk back downstairs. So yeah, my gut is just like not ready for food until around midday usually. That's just yeah, the vibe. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, I wanted to have you on. Uh, I haven't talked Knicks in a while, and right. they put up seventy three points against the Orlando Magic, and I was like, <laughs> uh, "Emergency Knicks podcast. Let's let's get this going." So. Uh, How's the season been going, James? I got to say, uh, <laughs> the Knicks exist in the netherworld between playoff teams and the legit eight like tanking teams. Yeah. So much well, to the point that I haven't really seen them play in a long, long time. I hear you. I hear you. Well, the good news is, if you're a Knicks fan, um, they actually, the other night, with that future loss to Orlando, Chicago is on a three-game winning streak. I know. At least as of the <laughs> recording of this podcast. Yeah. So the, the Knicks are now tied for eighth in the tankathon, and Chicago's got like two games against uh, the Nets, and they've got at least one other game against a not-good team. And the Knicks have all playoff games left, or playoff teams left. So well, as a, as a Grizzlies fan, I can tell you those playoff teams, that's where it gets tricky. You, you start winning those. It gets weird. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It never works <laughs> out that way. The playoff team is like, this team's a joke. I'm not even going to try or they start resting players. It gets real funky in the last like three or four games of the season. Well, I, I know I was talking to some people on Twitter, Knicks fans like a while ago, like guys, you, you are, you are already five up in the win column on eight teams. I don't think you can catch any of them, but congratulations. You guys did. Uh, you took care of Chicago, despite Chicago's uh, seemingly th- their, their, best, their best efforts. Who's been, the, uh, who's been the captain of your tank brigade? Uh, Moody, no question. <laughs> we, we brought him over. His game has been as advertised. His defense is just, you know, he's like, I guess he had sort of a surly reputation in Denver. He stopped talking to the media. To me, in New York, he seems like a likable guy, so I don't even love ragging on him. But, like, it just – it's it, it's not there. He's got a very long way to go, and they gave him starters minutes right away. Um, yeah. So there were two ways to look at it, either that they legit were, you know, pegging him as the tank commander. The other one being – and the one that I prefer to think, um, especially because he got minutes at the expense of people who I think the Knicks should be developing even more than they are, such as, like, a Frank Nilakina, is that perhaps, you know, it made sense to take a flyer on him. They gave up Doug McDermott and like switched second round picks. Um, you know, he was a high pedigree guy, maybe change the scenery, but maybe they weren't too high on him. And they were like, all right, well, let's just give him a lot of minutes, see what he can do. And then if we don't like what we see, you know, cut bait at the end of the season. Um, what the actual answer is, you know, obviously impossible to say. You don't, they're not going to come out and say it. But that, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. Well, so the, the, everyone. It seems like everyone says, you know, when the Knicks acquired Moutier, it was like, you know, like you might as well. Like you get a free yeah. look at a young guy uh, with some pedigree, some draft pedigree. Uh, but so far it's been really bad. Like, do you envision 
him being are, are they going to look at him all off season? I mean, he, he has another doesn't he have another year on his rookie deal? Like so, uh, yeah. So he's going to um, be around. You, you just, uh, I you believe think? it's a um, now. I'm like, I think he's got a team option. Let me I'm not sure. I should really know that as the host of Lockdomics. <laughs> Delete this. <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I think. I think he's got another. He's got another year. Uh, four, four point four point one five million before we get to those. Uh, yeah, it's his last year was rookie deal. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, I, I don't think he has a future with the Knicks, especially with the emergence of Trey Burke. Um, well, is, is and, that, so so sorry. Emergence of Trey Burke. Excuse me if I cut you off. Sure. How much of that is real? Again, I, I haven't seen very much of it. I just see the counting stats. I, I see him doing the crazy, whatever, the 41 and 12 assists, right. which puts him in an elite list of like 50 guys who have done that. Like it's so, legitimately almost all Hall of Famers and like yes. Marbury, you know? So like, like, he is <laughs> who um, had a weird end with the Knicks eating Vaseline and all that. But <laughs> right. Was a tremendous talent, you know, for many years, especially with Phoenix. Uh, I think, you know, with Burke, I think a lot of Israel. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, um, but he's played well enough, long enough at the end of this season where you can't dismiss the the possibility that he could be like a really excellent player going forward. So to keep like a long story short, I think he's probably going to be more of like an excellent bench player. But when you watch him play, the things that seem real to me, and he's talked about this, he, he's running a really good pick and roll. He's not just hoisting up shots. He had a, a quick little interview with uh, the excellent Knicks beat writer, Ian Bagley, the other day where he talked about, he's like, you know, I'm just being more patient. And these are sports cliches, but you can see that um, they, they, they're bearing out when you watch the games. He's like, I'm taking what the defense gives me. I'm not predetermining, you know, what I'm going to do going to the pick and roll. And that's obviously an incredibly difficult thing to do. But when you watch him play, he's done that classic point guard thing that good point guards do who can score where he really does open the game trying to set up his teammates and the Knicks you know you saw they scored 73 points against the Orlando Magic they have struggled offensively um, even with Chris Stapps but especially without him and when he's needed to sort of take over a game he stepped up the thing that seems unsustainable to me is his just like otherworldly mid-range shooting he's in like the 99th percentile right now of point guards, but he has a profile of someone like coming out of college is he's someone who they thought could make shots. Um, like he's not a bad shooter. So I don't think it's going to go to the point where he's a bad mid range shooter, but is he going to remain like Steph Curry from the mid range? Probably not. And the thing that's really going to ultimately hold him back, if it does hold him back, if like he doesn't, you know, reach his like full potential that we've seen here, which is just otherworldly, would would be his defense. People talk about it a lot. He's just limited by how small he is. He's seems engaged on that side of the floor. Um, he's fighting over screens. Um, when he does get beat, you know, he's chasing his man. He's not giving up on plays. But there's only so much you can do when, you know, he's listed at like 6'1", but he's one of these guys who looks like he's really, you know, about 5'11". So can he do enough on offense to cancel that out? I don't know, but he definitely is someone to me who is like no question a very good backup point guard. And there's no way that the Knicks should get rid of him unless he is trying to get like a huge contract. They have him for next season. They 
didn't fall into the old Knicks trap, which the Knicks would always do, which is take a flyer on these guys and then give them like either player options or not even a second year. So they'd play well and then just go somewhere else. So the Knicks Jer- actually Jeremy have Lin, if you will. That's a Jeremy Lin deal you're, refer- <laughs> yeah. you're referring to. I didn't want to say it. But yeah. <laughs> What's well, uh, funny is you, you say Trey Burke, like, like you know, he, he they thought he was a good shooter. You know, we thought he was a good shooter. I, I'm pretty sure historically his, his rookie year on the Jazz, he set some kind of record for terribleness. I don't remember exactly specifically what it was, but it was something like anyone who'd ever taken 400 shots had never shot that badly before uh, percentage wise. Um, Have there been any good stories of like what happened to him? Like as in, you know, cause again, setting it up for the listener, he was so bad in Utah and then they got rid of him. And then he went to the, went to the wizards and he was kind of like, you know, he was like a thick stocky, not stocky, but like he's like a stronger little dude. And then like he disappears, leaves the league comes back he's like all wiry and skinny and he's got the yes. the braids so so what is what is the superhero origin story we've come up with of, of what happened to him so a classic tale of redemption in that he joined the nba and he, he's he talks about this a lot um he fell into the quote unquote nba lifestyle um and he was out partying he wasn't taking it seriously he <laughs> says he felt you know he felt entitled the to uh, the, the salt the salt lake knife light uh sorry the salt lake <laughs> nightlife claimed another victim there's, there's a lot of, a lot of time on the road in, <laughs> yeah. in the nba um although i do have this running joke that i'm like the underground scene in salt lake city must be like insane i, be, I bet so yeah <laughs> <laughs> anytime something is forbidden people like go after it that's why we you should relax our uh, drinking loss, but that's a whole different. <laughs> it's like if you've seen the documentary about, I think it's called Clean Flicks or something. It's about a guy who runs a video store in Utah, mainly catering to uh, Latter Day Saints. Uh, about and he does like he he edits the movies and it gets clean oh. movies. But there's a twist in the movie where oh he was doing all kinds of other things and it was just a front. So anyway, I don't want. I mean that's a half spoiler. But anyway, as you were <laughs> saying, the repression but, sometimes leads, perhaps, into yes. in, into a yeah a slippery the more you slope. Forbid something. <laughs> yeah, the more you forbid something, the more people want to do it. The allure of the taboo. But you know, Burke, he uh, you know went down that path, and what he says, and he seems to uh, mean it, is that I, I guess he grew up like a religious guy, um, kind of got away for that. He like rededicated himself to all that. But more importantly, there are these stories of him, like he got with his old trainer. And they were getting up at literally like three in the morning and would yeah. do all That's- this stuff. And they're running the beaches and somewhere in California. And they're, you know, and so it, it, like he seems to have, he's like, I screwed up. Um, I didn't take it seriously. And now I've completely dedicated my life a hundred percent. Like he got married, his, all this stuff. Like, um, so he's, you know, I don't want to put too much stock in all that other stuff, but it does seem like he stopped partying, which is important. And then he's really taken his conditioning and his training like super seriously, maybe for the first time since he was, you know, young and hungry before he was in the NBA. Well, I do. I do love a good origin story. That one's kind of runs on like the, the cliche level, but it's fine. Oh, uh, that's definitely <laughs> cliche. For sure. yeah. um, I do like the idea of him falling into the wrong dark tunnel uh, under Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, so how does how does it all mesh with with Frank Nilakina, who, again, I, I haven't seen play that much. Like, I don't have a good concept of like of like what he is. I know people were so angry that like Jarrett Jack was playing all these minutes over yeah. him. So so what's the future of the backcourt? And, and just just inform me, enlighten me about Frank Nilakina. So his strengths are he's a borderline elite defender right now. Um, he has something like of anyone who's defended the pick and roll 
um, like 150 times or more. He's got the lowest points per possession, allowing the ball handler to score in the pick and roll. It's something like 0.6 points per possession. Um, he's tall. He came in the league 6'5". They say he's grown an inch over the course of the season. I don't know if, if he has, but he's 19. He's also the youngest um, rotation player in the NBA this season. And he's got a ridiculous wingspan for his size, too. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. So you see him on the court, and he's a dogged defender. And not only has he got the physical skills, but he has, like, an incredible defensive instinct. You just you, Like, it's very hard for players to get defense right right away against these guys. He's 19. He's played in France. He didn't play a lot of minutes in, in France before he was drafted by the Knicks. But his defense is really, like – I got, I don't want to sound like a homer, but it's like it's fantastic right mm-hmm. now for a point guard, like legitimately. And he's only going to get better. Now, where he, where he struggles is the offensive end. He's shooting only something like 32, 33 percent from downtown. He's had a couple. He's had a couple months stretches where he shot like I think it was December and January. He shot like 38 percent from downtown, and over those two months, his form looks good, um, but he hasn't consistently put together yet. But his minutes have also been kind of. You know, as some people complain about Jeff Hornacek, the job he's doing with the minutes, I tend to think um, I, I do. I see things along those lines. I don't think he's doing a great job, but not the worst. But any rookie is going to have their minutes fluctuate. So hard to get into a rhythm. And you mentioned Burke having like the worst shooting season ever or whatever. But a lot of great shooters also, you know, as I'm sure you know, like their rookie season is just like really difficult to adjust to the NBA. Um, and his handle also looks a little bit suspect, but then he has these flashes where he pulls off these crazy moves and you're like, what, like the other night he did, um, it, it was in the Orlando loss, but the highlight of the night was he, uh, he did like a white chocolate Jason Williams, like fake behind the back pass to like shake his man and mm-hmm. then kept going and had a wide open layup. Um, and in that same, uh, in that same game, he blocked an attempted Biombo dunk attempt, like Biombo was going up with two hands and he just came from behind and swatted it away. Um, and I think offensively, another strength, he clearly has really good vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he's tall and with Burke, you know, coming into his own a little bit, there's been a lot of talk about moving him over to the two. Um, to me, I think it would be a huge benefit if they could keep him as your point guard. Cause the thing about playing him with someone like a Burke, if you start switching them, you know, then Burke's on the guy who Frank is covering, and that's not ideal. But if Frank can cover a point guard, they he can switch one through three, like, capably, I would say now. And he um, is only going to put on weight. He's He has not had a strength training program. He did not lift weights until this season with the Knicks. But everyone thinks he can put on a lot of muscle. He's got, like, really broad frame. He's got wide shoulders. Um I think the Knicks have something special in him. He's very young. Um, he is a little bit raw, but he's shown a lot of flashes. And he's already so good at defense that, like, even if he didn't get much better on offense, on so many games, he's been the Knicks leader in plus minus. I know that's a stat with a lot of noise, but um, he contributes a lot. I think they've got a good player in him. It remains to be seen what his, like, primary position will be. But I think he's got real point guard skills. Do you, when you dream about next year, are you projecting him as the starting point guard and maybe Trey Burke as the backup? Or do you, do you have bigger dreams or different dreams? I, I, I'm still kind of figuring out where I, where I fall on this because if if Burke started next year um, at point guard, I wouldn't mind so much. What I really want Frank to do, because 
I want Frank to get a ton of reps as being the primary initiator on offense because I think you know in today's NBA to use more cliches, uh, but it's true versatility. Is a, is a huge plus. Um, he is already defensively versatile. I think if he's offensively versatile, it's only a good thing. And I think it's okay. I mean, I'm not comparing them to uh, Harden and Paul just yet, but <laughs> you can make multiple ball handlers work. I think it can be a good thing. Um, you know, if if Burke make if Burke makes it really difficult to have him come off the bench, to me, that's a good problem to have. I just hope that they don't use that as an excuse to, you know put Frank in the corner and have him only spot up from three on offense, because I think he has a lot more to offer. Right. Do those, do those, does either one of them mesh better if the Knicks are going to be starting Courtney Lee again? And I don't know if they are, but if it's Courtney Lee or in Tim Hardaway jr, maybe the three, like does, does Burke or Neil Akina fit better with either one of those, that, that pairing? Uh, Neil Akina, I think can, can play with, with in like any lineup, honestly. Um, I think with, I think Burke is better with someone like Nilakina because he's a better Nilakina is a better defender than Hardaway, um, and Burke's not a great defender. So then, if you have Burke and Nilakina have been some of the Knicks' best lineups since KP went down, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, it makes sense because their one guy's strengths is the other guy's weakness, and so they they, they fit well together. It, it it does get tricky. So here's where it gets tricky. I, I think there's a future that's great with Burke and Frank both getting a lot of minutes. I, Hardaway's done a credible job at the three this year. They've been playing Courtney Lee at the two and Hardaway at the three, but I just don't think it's Hardaway's best position. They've got him for 17 million a year for the next three seasons. So it's like, well, what do you do now? But then again, I mean, you can always stagger lineups. You can have Frank come off the bench for a little bit. It's, it's complicated. You know, I don't envy the job that the coach has, whoever the coach might be next season has and coming up with lineups, but it, it is a good problem to have, and I think like Courtney Lee could be someone who gets traded in the offseason. A lot of people have talked about that. He may be superfluous, um, especially if, if Burke's able to come in and bring a lot of minutes and like push Frank down a little bit. Um, but it's it's there's no easy answers. I'll say that there's a lot of different schools of thought on like what the Knicks should do with their lineups next year. How have you enjoyed year one of Tim Hardaway Jr.? There was a lot of grief when he signed a, a pretty big contract when they got away from the Hawks. I was one on my show actually talking a lot about how, like, this isn't that terrible of a signing as long as, you know, you get over yeah. the fact that there's no salary cap. Because uh, I was saying, like, this guy is, you know, he could be better than, like, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and no one cares that he signed for a big amount. So, like, yeah. uh, how did you like year one of Tim Hardaway Jr.? He's definitely better than Contavious Caldwell Pope, I first want to say. Um you know what? Like when the, when the news first uh, dropped, I was like a little bit annoyed, but then I did some research, and you know his contract is about equal to his production. And what I've really been happy with him, he's had a rough year because he missed a lot of time with a stress fracture in his leg, and that's kind of when the Knicks started uh, going downhill before KP even got hurt. Um, but he, you know, obviously the Knicks drafted him, so that was part of why I would like like looked so stupid, even though that was a prior regime. You can't let prior regimes' decisions affect what you do, you know, going forward. But he, when he was on the Knicks, he was so one-dimensional and not even that great at that one dimension. I've been really impressed with how he's improved his all-around game. Um, he, he's a good rebounder. He's a real solid rebounder for a guard. Um, he's had a couple, three, four, five assist games. He looks for his teammates. He runs in transition. He buys into the team defense concept. He's one of the few Knicks who's got like a modern shot profile. He chucks a ton of threes. His three-point percentage has gone down this year. Um, but he's also just been struggling with his rhythm. He, he's a little bit of a streaky player, but missing so much time with the injury set him back. Um, he's had a couple of really nice games 
the past couple weeks with KP down to him shouldering more of a load. But ideally, this guy's like maybe your third best player, maybe your fourth best player. So for him to be like the first guy with KP down or the second guy with KP healthy, um, I think he's acquitted himself really well. Like I'm glad he's on the team. He's a good, fast wing. He pushes them in transition, and the Knicks like are not a good transition team. Um, I've been really like I-, I thought that he could have a good year, but even given that, I've been pleasantly surprised. Well, let's talk about Kristaps Porzingis. It, it's almost irresponsible to kind of do look at an <laughs> overview of the Knicks uh, without uh-huh. talking about him. You know, the, the the great unicorn everyone is so excited about. He's uh, just caused so much excitement around the league and especially among Knicks fans. Uh, he obviously went down with the, uh, the knee injury this year. So the, the team started, you know, pretty good. You guys were 17 and 14 and then somewhere yeah. around there, that's when the stress fracture, I think with, uh, you know, Tim Hardaway jr. And then yeah. after that, I think, I think it was 22 and 26 was the record when Porzingis uh, hurt, hurt himself. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, like it seems in the other years, he didn't have such a catastrophic injury, but it did seem like his numbers waned as the seasons would go along. He'd get banged up. He'd have sore yeah. this and that, miss some games. Now that we're three years in and he's coming off such a big injury, has like the glow worn off? Are, are you concerned about him being this, I don't know, it looked like he was going to be this transformative centerpiece. Like, are you worried about that at all? Or are you still kind of like super excited that you have this, uh, the unicorn? Right. Um, you know, of course, I'm a little bit worried. I'm worried. It seems, though, that we are at a point with ACL tears where we're kind of like turning a corner where they're not necessarily um, the career ender that they once were. Um, obviously, it takes people time to get back close to the level they were at. But that medicine seems to be getting better and better. Uh, your listeners may not know if they're not like knee deep in Nick's stuff that uh, one of KP's nicknames is the lizard. He allegedly heals super fast. I did not know um, that. I, I, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he like called himself that, but I'm not sure who gave it to him. <laughs> I like it. So I, I, well, so like heading into the season, I would have said injury concerns way overblown because people would cite his games missed, but a lot of them were the Knicks being super conservative right. down the, down the stretch in seasons where it benefited them to tank anyway. So like, if it were a playoff you know, season and they were fighting for like uh, playoff seeding, he definitely would have played. But they're they like, eh, he's a little banged up. Why don't we sit you the final seven games? And so I think that kind of, you know, it inflated those numbers of games he's missed. Like I'm 100% convinced of that. The thing that scares me other than like the ACL itself is um, actually the first host of Lockdown Knicks, Jared Dubin. He wrote an article about KP about a year ago and he interviewed this doctor. And the doctor said, you know – there's always a cause con- concern when injuries pile up on one side of the body. It's something, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't explain exactly why, but something about like the kinetic chain or whatever, like there's something going on in the way your body's moving when you have injuries on one side of your body. Not always, but it can be a sign of something like that. And he has had like, like hip stuff and knee stuff and like ankle stuff kind of all on that left side where he hurt his knee and it's correctable, but you got to have someone who recognizes that it's a problem and then who like creates the the app, you know, the program that helps you fix that. And KP, he's got this guy who's helping him recuperate. Um, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head, but uh, your listeners should definitely uh, Google it, like KP's trainer. It's this like muscle bound freak who's like <laughs> a little bit of a snake oil salesman. He's worked with a lot of top guys like a Tom Brady or whatever. 
But Tom Brady's also a little bit of a nut job and like believes in like magic and like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so like it's like, do the Knicks have a handle on this? Do they have the right guys in charge? I'm not so worried about the ACL. I think the pre ACL stuff was overblown, like I said, but I am a little bit concerned in the Knicks ability to like manage this correctly. I have concerns, obviously, uh, like I jumped on kind of hard, like the, the Porzingis bandwagon early. I think I went and saw him like in, in Memphis, drove down to Memphis to see him early in his career, like his first year, okay. a few months in. Uh, but since then, it's like, I don't know, I've grown worried. Like the, it seems like he wears down, but I know obviously a lot of that was, was strategic sitting him down and let's try to lose some games. Um, how much of that early start of being over 500 do you think was sustainable or real? Because it seems like this roster might be somewhat similar next year. Uh, yeah. So like, like, are you optimistic about what you saw early in the year and thinking that it can carry over with Tim Hardaway Jr. and with uh, Porzingis playing well and Neil Aquina coming along? I mean, yeah, when he comes back, but he's not slated to come back till like December, January. So I think the Knicks are going to stick at the beginning of the <laughs> yeah. year. But I mean, when those guys, when they're all healthy, I think a lot of it's sustainable. He was shooting unsustainably well from mid range, but he also is a guy who can always shoot over the top. Um, you know, he's not going to be as quite as good as he was. And when he was scoring, I think he had eight 30 point games in the first uh, like month, something like that. Uh, he had his first 40 point game. Um, I think, I mean, the, I kind of didn't talk about this when you asked me, I just talked about his injury history, but I'm still very excited to have Chris Depps cause he's the kind of guy that you tank for and that so many yeah. teams do not get year after year. And if he can be even like 90% of what like he was on, on pace to be, he's going to be one of like the top 10 players in the league, I think still. Um, and he's a guy who can carry a team to a playoffs. Uh, by himself and so i'm really you know long term i'm like i actually am i don't know if this is just survival or or what but i'm you know like shawshank style i don't want to give up hope but i'm very (laughs) i'm very optimistic because i I just think he's an incredible player um i think you know not only is he a great offensive player but he's a truly elite uh, rim protector possibly the best in the league not only does he block a bunch of shots but guys shoot like way worse against him than they do otherwise you know down in the paint um, and I think if he plays more at the five, which everyone's saying he's going to have to because um, they don't want him running around as much, you know, post this injury, um, I think he could be deadly for them. And I, I think Frank's only going to get better. I like Hardaway. Whoever they pick, I have a weirdly good feeling about this year. Um, <laughs> it just seems like such a deep draft. And, you know, they say that or don't every year. And who really knows? But is uh, um, is Kylo Quinn uh, Bar Mitzvah star coming back? With this player, I hope so. I hope so, because I don't think there's going to be a strong market from for centers. Everyone says so. If they can snag him for like seven, eight million per year, I think that would be great. I'm not a Cantor fan. I don't want Cantor to opt in um, to his final season. But Kyle O'Quinn, um, he's a great passer. He's a sneaky good rim protector. Uh, he really keeps the ball moving on offense. He's like a Queens guy. He's a fun locker room guy. Like So he's got all the intangibles that you want to root for, that great beard, of course. But he's a really good basketball player who's gotten better every year. Um, he adds a little bit uh, to his to his game, and I would really like to see him come back. Um, I want to ask you about your other alter ego outside of your Locked on Knicks, your, uh, the NBA Injury Report, which is yes. a, a very funny Twitter account. How did, that, how did that come about? What was the inspiration for the NBA Injury Report? So, you know, I used to play uh, a lot of fantasy sports and then I was like, this is boring. I don't actually like this. Uh, but <laughs> one of the most boring parts about it 
were these, you know, injury updates where it would just be as dry as possible, like LeBron James' knee, you know, is out tonight. And I just like, I'm someone who's always enjoyed comedy. I've done a little bit of stand-up. I've done a little bit of improv in my time. And I'm always looking to like do something creative like that. And I'm like, oh, you know what? It's just like I was sitting around with my friends one day in my friend's apartment. Shouts to Stu and Evan. And I was like, I have this idea. You know, like injuries, reports are so dry. They're so boring. They're so nonspecific. I want to make it as like specific as possible. I can think of like a lot of different jokes that I could like fill in for the injury. I was like, do you guys want to do it with me? And they were like, nah, that doesn't sound like a good idea (laughs) at all. And I also like I was obsessed with the idea that there was um, someone who actually had to like write these out like a robot can't do it. Someone's got to sit <laughs> right. there yeah, yeah, yeah. and write the most boring thing. I was like, so what if someone kind of got bored and started like injecting weird stuff into it? Like maybe their boss doesn't notice and they're kind of like crying out into the abyss for like acknowledgement or help or, you know. Um, so I, I kind of thought it was like a funny angle that way. Someone like injecting like this craziness into an otherwise mundane thing. Um, and I, I thought I would like stop at some point, but new players keep entering the league. <laughs> <laughs> how did, how did it take off? Did you have like any, was there anyone like a bigger sports media person who like latched on or started retweeting you? Like how do, do you know how like you gained your momentum? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny. It actually started on Tumblr. Oh. Um, and I would write longer injury reports. It's probably still up there somewhere of like a couple <laughs> paragraphs. And I was like, you know what? This isn't that great i think this is a more of a twitter thing i switched to twitter and i would also like i would have players who weren't necessarily injured and like i would change like i changed everything and then I, like i had a friend who was like i like it better when you do the players who are actually hurt and then just like yeah switch yeah, up yeah, the yeah. reason so i started doing that <laughs> that was like one pivot and then a couple guys um sean hyken started retweeting me yeah um and also uh matt moore uh, you know, from hardwood paroxysm originally yep. now at the action network. Of course. Uh, but, but yeah, but those guys started like retweeting me and then it just started building momentum and I'll never forget. I was, um, I think it was, uh, I, I got off the subway at seventh Avenue and prospect, uh, sorry. And, uh, park slope. It's not where I live, but I was like running an errand. I think I was going to a bookstore. It was like in the evening, right before I left work, I had tweeted something about, Derek Rose missing um, a game for stepping on a Lego. And, <laughs> and then like my, I, my phone is just like buzz, 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 buzz. And I think Sean Hyken had retwe- retweeted it. And it was just like I had never had – this got like 30 retweets. And that was like <laughs> by far. Right. I still haven't had one. It kind of bugs me. I haven't had one of these viral tweets that's like 30,000. Right. I had yeah, like yeah, yeah. a couple thousand, which is – believe me, I'm happy about it. But yeah. like – Um, but that was the first time I'd ever had any kind of momentum. And then like after that day, it stopped notifying me when every person would like a retweet and only did it when like someone who was like verified would or stuff like that. Yeah. Twitter kind of adjusts those for you or whatever. So that (laughs) was like, yeah, that was a big day for me. Is there, is there a favorite real life injury that that you remember or like one that was an actually one released by a team? Uh, you know, anytime a Celtic gets hurt, I just like to, uh, no, I, no, I don't, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's the thing. I do want people to know. I don't enjoy like players getting hurt, but well, I feel like the Spurs put out some funny ones. Like, I don't remember what it was like, like, didn't they, didn't they do an actual DMP old age or something once? I don't know. I mean, you've seen stuff like that. It, it creeps, it creeps in. I've seen like 
I, I have now seen a couple of like Yahoo fantasy updates that get a little spicy and they've said like tanking and stuff like that. Right, 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 right. Um, no, but I can't really think of like one specifically that made me laugh. Like there are a couple of years where baseball players kept getting injured, like falling out of bed and stuff. And that was kind of, um, uh, there was in fact, officially a Tim Duncan, a D and D did not dress old. <laughs> so the spur, the, the Spurs That's actually beautiful. did that one. That's beautiful. I guess one final thing. What, what's, what's your highlight? You got what's the highlight of the next season? Highlight. Like what's, what's your favorite moment? What's the best thing that happened? My favorite moment is when LeBron James was saying that the Knicks screwed up by drafting Dennis Smith Jr. And then the uh, Knicks played the Cavs like the next day. And there was like the Knicks uh, or the Cavs made a shot. Um, Frank Nilakina went to like go pick up the rebound to the inbound the ball. But LeBron was in his way, like purposefully in his way. And Frank Nilakina shoved him. Uh, shoved LeBron like as hard as he could and his candor jumped in and like tried to fight him or whatever his jaw at him but just Frank Nilekina like sticking up for himself to LeBron I was in the UK for work and I stayed up till like 3.30 in the morning watching that game because it got me so amped the Knicks lost at the last second um, <laughs> like Frank stood up to LeBron the Knicks were playing well the future looked bright KP was going nuts and that was definitely my favorite Nick moment of this season well, that's great. Again, James, thanks for uh, making time. Tell people where uh, they can find you or which uh, Twitter account of yours they should follow. Yeah, so follow NBA Injury Report. The E is a three because someone else took NBA Injury Report from me first. Also follow Lockdown Knicks on Twitter and you'll see all the updates about the podcast, which is a daily, five times a week, Knicks podcast. Yeah, uh, well, thanks, man. Uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks to James for coming on. If you're a Knicks fan, definitely check out Locked on Knicks. I listened to one episode uh, today, and it gave me more detail than I could ever have imagined wanting about them scoring 73 points against the Orlando Magic. If you want to support our show, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast and get the extra bonus content. We threw up a couple videos. The Blazer Boy video, if you hadn't seen it yet, and then Chuck ordering the Egnormous Burrito at Burger King. We'll have the power rankings up soon. You can get all that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Also download the draft app, draft.com slash fastbreak. Use the code fastbreak. You can pick your master's winners. You can do golf. You can do all kinds of stuff. I'm not getting involved with that. I'm, I'm just doing MBA. You can follow me on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. Like us on Facebook. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember... Breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being TNG. Man, break, break, man. You understand?